Okay, so we've got two scripture passages passages this morning. Um, So if you could stand for the reading of God's word. Um, The first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. And it says, So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And the next scripture is in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it's verses 10 through 11. It says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory in the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. And thank you, Dean. Just um, as, first of all, uh, I'm preaching a series right now entitled Things We Need to Keep on Doing. And we talked last week about our need to keep praying. Um, Because we're waiting on God to do something in our church, aren't we? And by waiting, I don't mean, you know, putting it in park or neutral. You know, a waiter waiter or waitress at a restaurant is a busy person. So we can wait on God and not be inactive, can't we? And these are some of the things that we need to be doing. We need to pray. Today we're going to talk about, as one of the things we need to keep on doing is we serve. We serve. Now, uh, in these scriptures that Dean read today, um, it makes reference to the fact that we, there's, we've been given a trust and we need to faithfully administer. Um, we need to manage. Um, so, I'm going to look at this whole issue of service in the church as an issue of stewardship. An issue of stewardship. To be good stewards, we must be serving in some way. Uh, Dr. Albert Schweitzer had returned to Europe on furlough from his missionary service in Africa when he was 80 years old. One of the reporters who came to interview the humble doctor could, could not understand why such a famous person would leave the comfort and security of Europe to live on the mission field in Africa. He asked Dr. Schweitzer for an explanation, and Schweitzer replied, You see... I had to do something for Christ. I had to serve in some way. Is that our heart? Do we have a motivating desire to do something for Christ? Johnny had trouble pronouncing the letter R. So his teacher gave him this sentence to practice at home. Robert gave Richard a rap in the ribs for roasting the rabbit so rare. (laughs) A few days later, the teacher asked him how he was doing with his sentence and to repeat it to her. And he quickly rattled it off. 
Bob gave Dick a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. Johnny did all he could to avoid using the letter R. And sometimes some of us do the same thing to avoid the commitment to serve Jesus, especially if it's not easy for us to do or if we feel inadequate to the task or afraid. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't be a statistic? It may apply to safe driving and traffic fatalities or school dropouts or the number of people that become addicted to drugs each year. We talk about these kinds of things and then we say, don't be a statistic. Well, this admonition in a different sense is appropriate for all of us in the church as well. There are millions of Protestant church members across the United States. Why aren't we a greater force for right? Why isn't the church more effective? And one of the answers is many in the church are merely statistics. They don't add to the force of the church. Their names are merely on the rolls. They give non-participating approval to the work of the church. We, We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. You know, why church? What's it about? Well, this is one of the things it's about. And don't, maybe you like me, um, you know, I, uh, I participated in athletics. Uh, well, I didn't actually, I started my senior year of high school and then, then I participated in college. And hey, I was no star. You know, I, um, I was a, I was a track athlete, and, and my coach put me in the mile relay, and he put me in the half mile. And these are all meters now, I know. Nobody does mile and half mile anymore. But it, he put me in the half mile and the mile and the 5,000 and the 10,000, and I ran the intermediate hurdles at one point, and I did the steeplechase. Because I was a jack of all trades and master of none. I wasn't that great at anything, but I could earn points in almost any of those races. Especially in the meets where, you know, first through eighth got points. Okay? And um, so, you know, and it always bothered me to see people who had this incredible athletic talent sit on the sidelines and I just don't want to do the work involved. And, you know, I remember when I taught school, I saw that with some, some students had academic ability, but just too lazy to, to put it to work. That bothers me. And I think it bothers God when we've got the gifts and talents and abilities and skills and experiences He's given us, and we just basically say, well, you know, I don't want to do the work involved. I'm going to sit on the sidelines, or I'm not going to work hard enough to earn a decent grade. Unless our service exceeds that of a mere statistic, we will accomplish little for the kingdom of God. I want to read you uh, the, the two passages of Scripture that, that Dean read for us this morning out of the New Living Translation. So, Dean, it's not that you missed it or did a bad job. I just want to get a little, little different perspective on wording here. 1 Corinthians passage, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ 
who've been put in charge of explaining God's secrets. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. All right? That's a stewardship statement. Um, and then 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to Him forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So let's, uh, let's talk about that this morning. Uh, stewardship of service. First of all, God wants every to- believer to be in charge of something. He wants every believer to be in charge of something. Now, again, uh, in the in the NIV that 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 uh, Dean read this morning, there's that phrase: "Those who have been given a trust." And in some other translations, that phrase is just simply def- the word is defined or used there is "steward." Those who have given given a trust, just the word "steward" is placed there. God has called us to be stewards of those things that he's placed in our trust. A steward was someone placed in charge of the master's household or business to run the operation in the stead of the master. It is the steward's responsibility to wisely manage all that he is in charge of, even though none of it belongs to him or her. So although a steward has great responsibility... A steward is accountable to the master always and in everything. And folks, we are all stewards. And there was a resounding amen from the... Oh, no. We are all stewards, which means that we're to be in charge of that which God has given us to manage. Which brings us to my next point. We all have a gift with which to serve. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, Paul writes, I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. We all have a gift with which to serve. Now let me expand. You, you, uh, I don't know if you can have room to write there where, where you filled in the, the gift blank. But if you do, let's add these things as well. Talent, ability, skill, experience. Talent, ability, skill, experience. Listen, we all have those things in some measure, in some way. And God wants us to put those things to use in His service. Gifts, along with talent, ability, skill, and experience. In our commitment to serve, we've got to be on the lookout for ways God has gifted us. And we cannot discount any gift or say, well, mine's not important or that's nothing. Listen, we've all been entrusted with one or more gifts and it is our responsibility to find out what those gifts are, to polish them up, 
to develop them and use them for God's glory. Now, I want to tell you, I think I've got it on the schedule a little later in December. We're going to spend more time on this whole idea, but not just gifts, but but um, talents, abilities, experience, even some some of the passions that God may have placed in us. So you're going to hear more about that in a sermon down the road here. Um, each gift is important, but we often see the more noticeable gifts as important and the low-profile ones as not so important. Like, we know that, you know, well, the gifts the pastor's got are important because he's up front doing this thing every Sunday morning, right? And how about the people that lead the music? That's important. Paul addresses this whole issue in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to read for you verses 15 through 18. He writes, If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye... Where would the sense of hearing be? Have you ever had a mental picture of that? (laughs) If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. Every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. And so what Paul's doing here is shooting down the common tendency we have to compare gifts one to the other, thinking, well, that some are more important and some, well, not so much. See, the the danger lies in secretly disregarding or belittling those with less noticeable gifts. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, well, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, well, I don't need you. Listen, there's not a part of my body that I don't think I need. There's not a part of this body that we don't need. In March of 1981... President Ronald Reagan was shot by John Hinckley Jr. and was hospitalized for several weeks. Although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activities. The government continued to function. On the other hand, suppose the garbage collectors in this country went on strike as they did in Philadelphia in 1986. That city was not only a literal mess, but the piles of decaying trash quickly became a health hazard. The strike went on for 20 days. Now, think about the impact of a three-week nationwide garbage collector strike. (laughs) Yeah. You can almost smell it now, can't you? So, who's more important? The president or garbage collector? In the body of Christ, seemingly insignificant gifts are urgently needed. 
Remember, each gift is necessary in the body and important to God. And, and concerning our gifts and abilities, we can begin to identify them by asking ourselves some questions. And again, we'll spend more time on this down the road, but just quickly, in what ways am I especially blessed by the Lord? What advantages do I have which others may not enjoy? What is there about my particular situation that could be turned to good advantage in the local con- congregation? What do I possess that can be used in the work of the kingdom? Time? Money? A phone? A car? An education? What things do I get special satisfaction or fulfillment from doing? What things just come naturally for me? And what am I passionate about? And then along with that, to kind of pair those up, you can ask yourself, what things need to be done within the local church? Is there a ministry that I could plug into? What things are being done inadequately or not at all? Does a ministry need to be started? Could I start it? What problems exist? How could I contribute to the solution? What kinds of things could I do on my own as an individual to contribute to the spiritual health of the body? Where could I be a self-starter? See, too often we stand back and wait to be asked to do things. British preacher and professor Charles Kingsley, Kingsley said this, Have your tools ready and God will find you work. Which brings us to our next point. Good stewardship of our gift is measured by how we use it to serve others. Good stewardship of our gift is measured by how we use it to serve others. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And Peter writes in chapter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. That's the bottom line with God. He did not give us the gifts and the talents and abilities just purely for our pleasure and enjoyment. He gave us gifts to use in ministry and service to others. See, to serve is to do something for someone else. And so we use our gifts in service to others. And the scripture says, as it talks about the gifts, we use those things in order to build others up. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and verse 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. We uh, went to a seminar at District Assembly, and he said, uh, the, persons, the, the leaders in the church that have those gifts, they're apes. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, A-P-E. <laughs> Okay, anyway. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, 
the pastors and the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, God has given some gifts necessary to equip others to use their gifts in service to the church. He gave leaders like myself gifts like apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He gave us gifts to equip others to use their gifts so that the church, which is people, may be built up. Make sense? Okay. And then growth and building... Growth and building up happen when everyone uses their gift in service as each one does its part. So if, so if those things aren't happening as consistently or as, as much as we'd like to see happen, then maybe there's a gap there in, in that connection between my job and then the job of all of us to use our gifts and abilities so that each part does its work and the body of Christ is built up. Folks, it's necessary. If we, do, if we are to accomplish growth, strengthening, and maturity, that each part of the body put its, it puts its gifts and talents and abilities and skills and experience to work for the benefit of all. Which leads to the question, are we accomplishing what we should Or, are there some parts that aren't doing their work? Something to think about. Which leads to this point. A good steward must prove reliable. Paul says that faithfulness is required. It's it's not an option or a suggestion. Faithfulness is required. And Peter tells us that we're to faithfully administer God's graces in its various forms. We are to be reliable in the use of the gifts or managing of the gifts, the stewarding of the gifts and talents and abilities and experience that God has given us. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 through 51, Who is a faithful, sensible servant to whom the Master can give the responsibility of managing his household and feeding his family? Who is that? If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I assure you, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and begins oppressing the other servants, partying and getting drunk, well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will tear the servant apart and banish him, Banish him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I heard a story about a a preacher who went to a small town to preach a series of gospel messages. His attempt was to evangelize that little town. 
He preached for two weeks. Remember when we used to have revival services that lasted two weeks? He preached for two weeks. During the whole time, only one little girl responded to the invitation at the end of one of his services. Just one. Two weeks of preaching. One. She confessed Christ, was baptized, and turned out to be the only convert during the entire series of meetings. The the preacher judged that series of meetings a failure, and for years he bemoaned the great effort he had made with such little result. However, he did not have a right view of things. That little girl grew up to be a strong, faithful Christian woman. She married a Christian man, and together they produced several sons, all of whom became preachers of the gospel. Those sons converted thousands of unbelievers to Christ. Was he faithful? Was he reliable? Now, what do you suppose would have happened to that little girl and her family had, had not that preacher faithfully proclaimed Christ? Who knows? Do you think that preacher's effort was a failure? So sometimes what looks like a very small, insignificant effort on our part turns out to be far greater than we think. You know, I, I probably shared this with you before, but a pastor, mentor, friend of mine once said, with Jesus, there's neither success nor failure, there's only obedience. If you obey, the success of the failure is in His hands. Right? We do what He asks us to do. We trust Him with the outcome. And this preacher obviously struggled with the outcome, but he didn't see the big picture, did he? He didn't see what God was up to there. But he was faithful. And out of that came great fruit for the kingdom. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is the key to stewardship of service. And then this. Faithful service results in praise to God. Faithful service results in praise to God. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, we find these words. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So we we offer those things that God has given us back to Him by serving others. Works, good works. Good works. When Wycliffe Bible translator Doug Meland and his family moved into a village of Brazil's Fulnio Indians, the Indians referred to him simply as the white man. That reference was not complimentary since other white men had exploited them, burned their homes, and robbed them of their lands. But after the Milans learned the Fulnio language and began to help the people with medicine and in other ways, they began calling Doug the respectable white man. When the Milans began adapting to some of the customs of the people that did not compromise their faith, the Fulinio gave them greater acceptance and spoke of Doug as the white Indian. Then one day, as Doug was washing the dirty blood cake foot of an injured Fulinio boy, 
he overheard one of the Indians watching what was happening and responded this way. Who ever heard of a white man washing an Indian's foot before? Certainly, this man is from God. From that day on, whenever Doug went into an Indian home, it would be announced, here comes the man God sent us. Faithful service results in praise to God. Matthew 5.16 In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And then 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. People who do not believe are living all around you and might say that you are doing wrong. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do and give glory to God on the day when Christ comes again. That's faithfully administering the gifts that God has given us. Is it not? Remember this song? All for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransomed powers. Do you you understand that line? All my being's powers that have been ransomed, redeemed by Jesus Christ. All those powers include our gifts and our talents and our skill and our ability and our experience. All those powers, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransom powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. And folks, when that's our attitude, when our talents, gifts, abilities, experiences are offered to Jesus, when it's all for Jesus, when we use them faithfully, when responsive to His voice as He calls us to obey, when He calls us into an area of service that we may be a little uneasy about or afraid of or seems difficult for us, but we are obedient anyway, it results in fruit for the kingdom. And God is praised. And especially when they see someone who they didn't think could doing it. Right? Wow. Hey, I'm convinced that's what people I grew up would think about me. Sid Siever is a pastor? I still say that. Sid Siever's a pastor. Aren't you glad that God has chosen to invest that in us, those things that He's given us? And we're still building on... You know, we're still... We're developing abilities, we're developing skills, we're, we're, we're gaining experience, but He's given us all gifts. And you know, we can develop those too. And you know how we do it? You know how I became uh, a, a better uh, competitor at the mile run? I practiced. I ran. That's how we become better at using, putting those gifts to work. We use them. We put them to work. We run. And folks, when we use them faithfully, the work of the church is done. People are blessed. And God is praised and glorified. And I want to see that happen here. Amen? Which I hope now Brenda will... You'll just have people lined up to help with those booths this afternoon because we're all deeply convicted about that. Okay.
Oh, I am so, I know um, we have many in this church who serve faithfully. And um, some are those out front jobs that everybody sees. And some are those behind the scenes job that hardly anybody knows who does it. And some things don't just happen on Sunday. They happen on Monday night or on Tuesday or on Wednesday or on Thursday or on Friday or on Saturday or on Sunday. But thank you for your, your service because that is stewardship of what God has given us to use in the body of Christ so that we'll be effective in accomplishing His mission for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the gifts You've given us. And above that, talents, abilities, skills, experience, and even a a passion for things that, that motivates us. And Father, may we have a passion, first of all, to serve Jesus in whatever way You call us to. And then may that passion to serve Jesus result in us using our gifts and all those other things for Your honor and for Your glory and praise. And so that the work of the church is done as each part does its work. There's no gaps. There's no holes. There's no things incomplete. No things that should be done not being done. But we work together because you, it said you've arranged the parts of the body in the church just as you want them to be. And so, Father, whether we think it's one of those not so important gifts or one of those more upfront gifts that everybody sees, Lord God, help us to realize they're all critical to the work of the kingdom and determine that we will be obedient to you in using those gifts and abilities and things you've given us for the glory of Jesus and the building and growth of your kingdom. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, well, thank you for being here today. It was a blessing to be with you. Grace and peace as you go this